God, to have such solid, good, godly men in leadership here at this church. Amen? I tell you, man, I am just blessed uh, to serve alongside of uh, good men like Noah and Arthur and other guys who uh, are just exceptional, exceptional leaders. And uh, I say that because they, um, man, they just, uh, just really know how to, to serve the Lord well. And uh, I love uh, serving alongside of them, and they're good examples for me. And it has just been uh, a blessing for me to, to serve here at Chester Christian Church alongside of these guys. And one of the things that they uh, know is important is, uh, you know, a, a minister's health. And so they know that uh, every now and then you need time off uh, from preaching. Uh, if you've never put together a sermon before, if you've never preached before, you just don't understand the mental uh, I mean, it's just it's difficult, isn't it, Aunt Rico? Uh, every week, week in and week out, to put together a sermon and to study, I would say 15 to 20 hours a week uh, just for that. But then what a lot of people don't know is, is that, at least for me, it's this way. Like, I, it's just 15 to 20 hours just to get the sermon ready. But then, like, I am constantly... Like, I'm laying in bed at night thinking about the sermon, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it's just it's a constant thing. And so it's just, it's my, so just get that mental capacity that it takes to do that and then being able to take uh, a couple weeks off, man, I'm just blessed. And thank you guys for, for allowing me to do that. And it's also good for you guys to be exposed to other communicators. And so I'm excited this morning that Rico Patterson is here. Uh, a lot of you have uh, heard Rico in the past. Rico teaches our men's uh, Tuesday morning Bible study. And uh, so I'm going to welcome Rico on up to the stage here. Come on, you guys give Rico a, a warm Chester Christian welcome here. Good morning, everyone. Wow, it was kind of loud there. <laughs> well, I want to thank uh, Aaron and the Chester Christian family for giving me the opportunity to uh, preach this morning. For me, this is kind of like my, I feel like it's kind of my second church home. Now, a lot of you don't know me, but we've been teaching the Tuesday morning men's Bible study, and I think I've been doing that for like five years now. Uh, we initially went through the book of James. It took us two and a half years to get through the book of James. The book of James is like five chapters, for those who don't know. It's about five chapters. And now we're in the book of John, and we've been there in about two and a half years. And so the good thing is, you know, if you miss a Tuesday, you miss two Tuesdays, three Tuesdays, four Tuesdays. Well, probably at the next verse when you get back. So <laughs> that, that's probably the good thing. But again, I want to uh, just thank the, the church and the church family for, again, giving me this opportunity. And it's not an opportunity I take for granted. Um, the Apostle Paul said, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So, you know, preaching the gospel is an honor. It's a privilege. And it's not something that I take for granted. So again, I, again, I want to thank you and, and thank the Lord for giving me this opportunity. All right, so if you, you look in your bulletins, you see on that first page there, you see where our text is coming from. And I, I really hadn't planned to come from this, but, you know, the Lord laid it on my heart. So prayerfully, this is something that someone needs to hear. So we're, uh, we're going to be in the seventh chapter of the gospel according to Luke. And for our reading this morning, we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. The Gospel according to Luke, the seventh chapter, and we want to look at verses 11 through 16. All right. <clears throat> and it reads as follows. <clears throat> and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, 
the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and sent it to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier or the casket, and they that bare him or carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, once again for the blessed opportunity, Lord, to preach and to teach your holy and your blessed word. Lord, it's not something that uh, I or that we take for granted, Lord, but it truly is an honor and a privilege and a blessing from you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that this time might be used as an opportunity to glorify your holy and your precious name. Lord, as I stand here this morning, as always, Lord, I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I ask and pray that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, Lord, but I ask and pray that they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here simply to lift up your name, the wonderful, marvelous, magnificent, precious, and just glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, and that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, We Won't Have to Cry No More. We Won't Have to Cry No More. Now in the initial verses of this seventh chapter, our Lord Jesus had just left Capernaum, where he had miraculously healed the centurion's servant, who was sick and ready to die. For when the centurion heard that our Lord Jesus was in the city, he sent for him, and he asked for for him to heal his servant without even entering the house. If you look at the couple of verses earlier in this chapter, verses 6 through 8, it says, it says, uh, When he was not now far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but saying a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And as a result of his great faith, going on in verse 9, it says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been made sick. But as great as this miracle was, it was just the beginning. For the next day, as our Lord Jesus was entering into the city of Nain, a funeral procession was leaving the city, where a widow's only son was getting ready to be buried. And when the funeral procession was getting ready to pass our Lord Jesus, he saw his, his, uh, the mother crying. And then in verse 13 it says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier of the casket. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered it to his mother. And this was our Lord Jesus' first miracle of physically raising someone from the dead. Now one can just imagine the joy that this mother had. 
One can just imagine the delight that this mother had. One can just imagine the peace that this mother had in seeing her only son restored to life. But believe it or not, even though we may not say this exact same physical miracle performed in this day and age, the Lord still performs many similar miracles for children of God today. For just like this widowed mother, some of our loved ones may be spiritually dead. We may be in situations that are causing heartaches and pain. We may be in circumstances that cause us to weep. And just like this widowed mother, it seems like there is nothing that we can do. But I'm here to tell you, if you know the Lord Jesus, I want you to know that our Lord Jesus knows what we are in need of. He will have compassion upon us, and he hears our every cry. David said in Psalms 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and he hears their every cry. And that's why, saints of God, no matter what we might have to go through, we should never give up, we should never give in, and we should never lose hope. But we must continue to look to the Lord Jesus and keep our faith in the Lord. For just like this widowed mother, the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. Now, as we look at the experiences of this widowed mother, we also see a picture of what many of us have to endure during our Christian walk. So today, let's take a closer look and see how the Lord helped this widowed mother. First, let's look at verses 12 and 13 in our text again. Verses 12 and 13. And again, there it reads, Now when he came nigh or near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. So the first thing we see is that the saints of God will shed some tears. How many of you know that? The saints of God will shed some tears. Now, as as we've already seen, this mother in our text was in an extremely difficult situation. First of all, she was a widow, which means that she had no husband. And at that particular time, it was extremely difficult for a widow because it was hard for a woman to take care of herself in those particular times. So she was a widow, and she had no husband. And now her only son, the one whom she had raised from a baby, the child whom she loved, the one who was probably her closest companion and her best friend, was now dead. Therefore, we can certainly understand why this mother was weeping, because she probably felt like she had no hope. She probably felt like she had no joy. She probably felt like she would always have a heavy burden on her heart. And church, did you know if we live long enough, we will be in similar situations in our lives? Now, we may not have to endure the passing of an only son, but many of us have been in situations where we felt like there was no hope. We felt like there was no joy. We felt like there was no way out. And it seemed like we would forever have a heavy burden on our heart. Some of us have felt like David, who said in the 13th Psalm, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long? Will I hide thy face from me? Has anyone ever felt like that before? David said, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will I hide thy face from me? But even though it may not seem like it, many times that is actually a good thing because that is what forces us to look up to the Lord. Human nature being what it is, if everything's going our way, if there are no trials and tribulations, if there are no problems in our life, We tend to take life for granted, and we see no need for the Lord. But when you're lying on your sickbed, when you're lying on your deathbed, when there are problems in the family, 
When there's problems in the home, many times, that's when we truly learn to call upon the Lord. For now we know that we need him. When we're in the world and everything's going our way, we tend to think we're all right. We tend to think we're pretty good. We tend to think that God is pleased with us because we're not as bad as a person living next to us. But that's why many times God has to take us through the wilderness and cause us to weep. Because that's the only way we begin to see ourselves as we truly are. Have you ever noticed when, you, when you're in a difficult situation that many times that's when your worst side comes out? When your back is up against the wall and everything's going wrong in your life, many times that's when your worst side comes out. And the Lord allows that to happen intentionally because he wants us to see ourselves as we truly are. For now we know what God meant when he said, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now we know what Solomon meant when he said, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now we know what Paul meant when he said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we know what John meant when he said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now we know what it meant in the 53rd Psalm when it says, Every one of them is gone back. They are together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Just as the wilderness gave the Israelites a revelation of their own selves and allowed them to see themselves as they truly were, in the same way our wilderness experiences, our trials and tribulations, those times in which we have to cry, many times cause us to conduct a self-evaluation, and that's when we begin to realize how sinful we truly are. Now we begin to be like Paul who said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. How many of you are at that point in your life when you realize, just like Paul, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And when you realize that, that's a good thing, because that's exactly where God wants you. And that's why, just as with this mother, the Lord many times allows things to get worse before they get better. Because he is simply, as Isaiah said, waiting to be gracious. You think about it. The Lord could have easily healed this mother's son like he did with a centurion servant by simply speaking the word before he even died. But sometimes the Lord waits to bring us to an end of ourselves. Sometimes the Lord waits so that we realize we have no strength. Sometimes the Lord waits so that we have to rely completely upon him. If we were in control, we would do all we could to avoid any hard times and make sure everything goes our way. I don't know about you, I don't like going through trials. I don't like going through tribulations. If it was up to me, I would do all I could to avoid it. But I thank God my God is wiser than that. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Therefore, what we see through this mother's experience, what we see through Israel's experiences, what we see through the saints' experiences, what we see through our own experiences, is that the Lord allows us to weep sometimes so that we realize just how much we need the Lord. Through our trials, we learn that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Through our tribulations, we learn the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Through our afflictions, we learn, as David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. 
And through our difficulties, we learn, as the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For when you go through something and you shed some tears, that's when you begin to know that my Lord Jesus is a way maker. My Lord Jesus is a burden bearer. My Lord Jesus is a mountain mover. My Lord Jesus is a mighty savior. And even if you don't understand it now, all you've got to do, like the songwriter said, is trust and never doubt, for he will surely bring you out. And we will understand it better by and by. That's why the saints of God know that shedding some tears is a good thing. For no matter what we might have to go through, we know because of the Lord Jesus, the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. Amen? Shedding some tears, we think it's the worst thing in the world. But oftentimes, that's what causes us to look up to the Lord. And remember, the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. All right, now let's go on in our text. Let's look at our verse 14 in the seventh chapter of Luke. And there it reads, And he came and touched the bier, or the casket. And they that buried him or carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. So the first thing we saw is that the saints of God will shed some tears. The second thing we see is that the Lord Jesus will meet our needs. The Lord Jesus will meet our needs. Now, because our Lord Jesus had just healed the centurion servant, a large group, a large crowd was now beginning to follow him. And as he and the crowd were entering into the city of Nain, at the same time, a funeral procession was heading out of the city of Nain, where they were getting ready to bury the widow's only son. Now, in that particular time, the custom in Galilee was for the women to actually lead the funeral procession. Therefore, one of the first persons our Lord would have seen was this grieving mother. And the scripture says, when he saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said, weep not. And then he touched the casket. That was unusual in and of itself because anyone who touched the casket, that was probably a stretcher with a, with a body laying on top of it, anyone who touched it would be considered unclean. So it was highly unusual for him to even touch that casket or that stretcher. But he, he touched the casket. That stopped the entire funeral procession. And then he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And what this tells us, you think about it, what that tells us is just when it looked like there was no hope for this woman, just like when it looked like there was nothing that she could do, just when it looked like there was no way out, that's when she met the Lord Jesus. And what we can learn from that experience is no matter what situation we might be in, if we are children of God, I'm here to tell you the Lord Jesus Christ will always meet our needs. David said in Psalms 34:10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. The 145th Psalm says, the Lord preserveth all them that love him. And we all know Philippians 4:19, but my God to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And as saints of God, we all can learn from this. For we, just as this, this, this widow's only son was dead and then raised to life, we might have a son who's spiritually dead. We might have a daughter who's spiritually dead. We might know a loved one who's spiritually dead. We might have a close friend who's spiritually dead. We've talked to them, witnessed to them, preached to them day after day, month after month, year after year, and nothing seems to change. 
But just like this mother in this text, don't give up. For the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. We've just got to place them in the hands of the Lord. And we need to realize that we can't save them. We can't change them. We can't make them do what we want them to do. But we've just got to turn them over to the Lord Jesus because they can only be changed by him. That's why in John 1.13 it says, We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's why in Jonah it says that salvation is of the Lord. So many times we try to fix things. How many of you have been in that situation where you were the one who tried to fix it? So many times we try to fix things. We try to change things. We try to make things right. We need to realize whether it's a son or a daughter, whether it's a loved one or a family member, whether it's a trial or a tribulation, we've got to turn it all over to the Lord. Because we know the God we serve it is an omniscient God. That means he knows all things. Psalms 139.2, the Lord says, Thou knowest mine down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. The God we serve is an omnipotent God. That means he's got all power in his hands. Matthew 28.18 says, All power, our Lord Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The Lord, the God we serve is an omnipresent God. That means he's everywhere at the same time. 139th Psalm, starting with the seventh verse, it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Therefore, we know that God is in control of all things, and all he wants us to do is place our faith in him. Real quick, let's go to the 34th Psalm. Let's go to the 34th Psalm. For those of you who have your Bibles or your iPhones or or iPads, whatever you got. Let's go to the 34th Psalm. Beautiful verses here. We're going to look at verses 15, verse 17, and verse 19. 34th Psalm. Psalm Psalm of David. And and the the whole Psalm is beautiful, but look at verse 15, verse 17, and verse 19. All right? Verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his, and his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. Verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. What these scriptures teach us is that God is in control of all things, And all he wants us to do is to simply place our faith in him. Verse 19 again says, many, didn't say a few or some, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. And that's something we must always remember. If we are children of God, the Lord will always meet our needs. Because anything we go through is a part of God's plan. And even if we don't understand everything, even if we question some things, even if sometimes we wonder why. If we are children of God, we have a promise that Jesus Christ is protecting us, Jesus Christ is with us, and Jesus Christ is meeting our every need. Now, I'll be the first to admit, it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always feel like God is with me sometimes when you're going through a trial in life because we still got problems all around us. We still got trials and tribulations surrounding us. We still got mountains up against us. And sometimes it feels like nothing ever seems to change. 
But through it all, we must still believe that the Lord will always respond to our cries. Again, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth him out of all of their troubles. You remember when Peter was walking on the water to see our Lord Jesus. He was miraculously walking on the water to see our Lord Jesus. But then he looked around and he saw the storm. He saw the storm. He saw the waves. He saw, he saw the clouds. He saw all that was going on around him. And he took his eyes off Jesus. And because of that, he became afraid and began to sink. And that's when he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said it to him, O thou of little faith. Wherefore, why did thou doubt? And did you know the exact same thing happens to us? When we look around and see what's happening in this world, when we look around and see what's happening in this nation, when we look around and see what's happening in our lives, many times we get afraid. We take our eyes off our Lord Jesus. We forget that he's with us, and we begin to sink in problems. We begin to sink in despair. We begin to sink in worry. We begin to sink in anger. We begin to sink in frustration. We begin to sink in trials. We begin to sink in tribulations. We begin to sink in difficulties, and we see no answer in sight. But just as our Lord Jesus immediately caught Peter's hand, pulled him out of the water, and said, oh ye of little faith, wherefore, why did thou doubt? Did you know he has the power in the same way to pull you out of whatever you might be going through? That's why it says in Jeremiah 32, 27, he said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Do you believe that, church? Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's something we must always remember as we walk this Christian walk. We have a God who watches over us. We have a God who cares for us. We have a God who provides for us. And we have a God who loves us. And when we realize that, we know no matter what we might have to go through, somehow, some way, my God is working it all out and meeting our every need. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We might not understand everything. And I tell you, there's a whole lot that I don't understand. We might not understand everything. We might not think it's fair. We might sometimes wonder why. But God has a reason for everything that we go through, if you are a child of God. Therefore, instead of worrying about our trials and tribulations, we simply got to put them in the hands of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Romans 8.18 says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. 119 Psalmist says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. How many of you can say that? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And it goes on to say, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now... I have kept thy word. Therefore, don't get discouraged just because everything's not going your way right now. But simply keep your faith in the Lord and wait on the Lord Jesus Christ to make a way. Believe in him. Trust in him. Wait on him. Call on him because he knows exactly what you're going through. 
And he's already promised to pull us through. Our Lord said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. John 14, 13, it says, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Our Lord Jesus said in the seventh chapter of Matthew, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And in Jeremiah, he said, Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Therefore, let us by faith believe that our Lord Jesus will meet our every need, for the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. Amen? Do you believe that? The time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. All right, last but not least, let's go back to the seventh chapter of Luke. Getting ready to wrap it up now. Seventh chapter of Luke, and let's look at the 15th verse. And there it reads, And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. So the first thing we saw is that the saints of God will shed some tears. The second thing we saw is that the Lord Jesus Christ will meet our needs. And last but not least, the third thing that we want to talk about is that the saints of God will praise the Lord. The saints of God will praise the Lord. Now, I do not believe that as a coincidence that this young man was raised from the dead in the city of Nain. For did you know there is a purpose for every single word given in the scriptures? I don't care if it's a or the or whatever the word is. There is a purpose for every single word given in the scriptures because there is nothing trivial in the word of God. Therefore, if you take a closer look at the word Nain, the word Nain means pasture, which represents place of rest. You remember the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Therefore, the fact that our Lord Jesus performed this great miracle in the city of Nain teaches us that if we want to find rest for our souls, just like this son and this mother, we've also got to come to the Lord Jesus. As our Lord Jesus said in the 11th chapter of Matthew, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But then what we see is that when the widow's son was made alive by the Lord, after he and his mother found rest in our Lord Jesus, our text says the first thing he did was he began to speak. And again, this is a lesson for us. For in the same way, after the Lord Jesus spiritually raises us from the dead, after we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, after we have been born again and found rest in him, the first thing that we are now to do is to begin praising the Lord. Let's go to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, in the 15th verse. That's towards the back of the New Testament, right... Um, right before the book of James, right after the book of Philemon, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. It's like a six or seven books from the end. 13th chapter of Hebrews. 15th verse. And there it reads, By him, therefore, talk about our Lord Jesus, By him, therefore, 
let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And that's the definition of praise right there. So what is praise? Praise is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And therefore, true praise is not based on how much noise that we make. For the false teaching in some churches today is that the more noise that we make, the more we're praising the Lord. For many people, it doesn't matter what type of life we're living. doesn't matter if we're living in sin. doesn't even matter if we truly receive Christ as our Savior. What we see in some churches today, as long as we're making lots of noise, we must be praising the Lord. But I'm here to tell you that's nothing but the doctrine of devils. For again, Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In other words, true praise is not based on how much noise we make, but true praise is based on giving thanks to the Lord no matter what situation we might be in. And because all that this mother and this son had been through, they now knew what it meant to praise the Lord. They were like the psalmist who said, Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. For when you go through something for yourself, and you see how God delivers you, that's when you learn to truly praise the Lord. For now we're like the psalmist who said, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Now we're like Paul who said, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now we're like the psalmist who said in Psalms 92.1, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praise unto thy name, O Most High. And the more we see God providing for us, the more we see God taking care of us, the more we see God protecting us, the more we see God watching over us, the more we should thank the Lord. In this day and age of instant gratification, we tend to want all of our blessings right now. We want an end to our trials and tribulations right now. We want everything to go our way right now. But did you know it's always best to wait and continue to praise the Lord? In Lamentations it says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. For when you see all that God has done for you, when you realize he's always watching out for you, when you realize he's interceding for you, how can you not praise the Lord? Did you know that my Lord Jesus woke you up this morning? My Lord Jesus put food on your plate. My Lord Jesus put clothes on your back. My Lord Jesus has blood running through your veins. But even more important than that, my Lord Jesus died on the cross for you. My Lord Jesus rose from the dead for you. My Lord Jesus shed his blood for you. My Lord Jesus saved your soul from hell. And that's why, I don't know about you, I have got to praise his name. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. And when you begin to praise God, when you begin to thank God, when you begin to glorify God, doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you can't help but have joy. Instead of complaining about what we're going through, we've got to begin to learn to praise and thank the Lord. Our Lord Jesus said, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the type of praise God is looking for, that praise that exalts him in the midst of trials and tribulations, that praise that honors him despite what's going on in our life. 
that praise that glorifies him simply because he is God. And when you offer up those type of praises and glorify Jesus Christ, my God will do the rest. That's why David said, every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David said in Psalms 35, 28, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. And I love the 150th Psalm. If you get a chance, matter of fact, let's go there right now. 150th Psalm. Psalm means book of praises. All right? So the book of praises ends with the most wonderful praise to the Lord here in the 150th Psalm. What does it say in the 150th Psalm? Last Psalm in the book of Psalms, the book of praises. And this is, this is what our life should be about. Instead of complaining, instead of worrying, instead of being angry, instead of being frustrated, begin to praise the Lord. 150 Psalm, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals, praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And that's why we have got to praise the Lord Jesus, because he is everything that you need. And if we are children of God, we should know beyond a shadow of a doubt the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you know that? The time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh, you are such an awesome God, such a wonderful God, such a glorious God. And it's such a wonderful blessing to know, Lord, that no matter what we might have to go through, the time is soon coming when we won't have to cry no more. I thank God as children of God that this life isn't what it's all about. But we have a heavenly mansion awaiting us, not made with hands, whose builder and maker is God. And therefore, I pray that for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, for those of us who have a relationship with him, for those of us who have placed our trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray that we might be comforted, that we might be strengthened, that we might be encouraged, knowing that you know everything that we go through. There is a loving, perfect reason why we go through the things that we go through, but in the end, you will lift us up. In the end, you will exalt us. And in the end, everything is going to work out for our good. For those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I just pray that they might come to realize that if they want to be in a situation where they no longer have to cry, the only answer is by receiving Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death which means that the payment, the penalty, the punishment for sin is death. But thanks be to God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I just pray if anyone's present and their heart is convicted, that they might come right now and give their heart and simply believe and place their trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to go out into the highways, into the byways, telling all again that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rico. Each week we uh, offer a time of response, and so I want to invite you to stand with us this morning and just encourage you as the prayer team comes forward. Uh, we'll have a prayer team member up front. We'll have a prayer team member in the back. If you're here this morning, and as Rico has said, if you are going through a difficult situation in life, if you are struggling, uh, we just want to encourage you this morning. We want to pray for you and know that you're not alone. Uh, first and foremost, know that God is with you, and uh, he is faithful, and he is good. And so we want to pray for you, and if that's you this morning, we would love to, to do that. If you're here this morning, and you are, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you are just uh, tired, you're exhausted, uh, because you are trying to um, earn God's approval or God's love, or you're going through the motions and uh, you, you know you haven't really been changed by the gospel, um, I just want to invite you to come forward and let's pray and uh, encourage you. And just uh, as as Rico said, um, Jesus offers us rest, and so I want to encourage you to do that this morning. But if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, we do have a few baptisms that are scheduled uh, in the next few weeks, and so we're excited about that, and we can do that for you today as well. Uh, but we just want to invite you to stand with us and sing uh, and just come and be encouraged today. So would you stand?